Hello, and welcome to Grim and Whim, unnerving tales to haunt, mystify, and spark curiosity. Let's be curious together. Before I start the podcast, I have a quick announcement. I will be starting a Grim and Whim YouTube channel where I'll be doing the same storytelling, but with audio and visuals. I've been thinking of doing this for a while, and now I'm going to make it happen. I don't have an exact start date, so for now, let's just say it's TBD. And with that, let's begin. When I think of great escapes, I often think of D.B. Cooper, the man who hijacked the Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 305, which was a Boeing 727 aircraft. This happened in 1971, and D.B. Cooper demanded $200,000 in ransom. Once he got the money, he then parachuted out of the plane and was never seen again. This is one of the most infamous stories of great escapes, but you would be surprised how many thieves in history have also escaped and left the world wondering how on earth they pulled off such a feat. Today we will be looking into some of these remarkable heist stories and some of the unsolved mysteries of these great escapists. Let's start with an incredible heist that involved six unknown men and an armored Dunbar truck. In 1997, Los Angeles, six men stole about $18.9 million in cash from a Dunbar armored truck depot. This has gone down in history as the largest U.S. cash heist to have ever been performed. The men involved began their heist by attending a house party in Long Beach to establish an alibi, but then they snuck out of the party soon after. They changed into black clothing and then drove to the Dunbar Depot. Using only simple bolt cutters, the men stealthily broke into the depot through a side entrance, and then they cut the padlocks on the metal cages holding millions of dollars in cash. There were only a couple employees on the site at the time of the heist, but the men were able to tie up the employees who were working and then force them to lay down on the floor. And then they tied them up. It's several minutes after midnight when the thieves arrive at the downtown Dunbar facility. They're able to drive their rented U-Haul truck into the parking lot without issue. During planning, Alan had learned that the guard watching the camera for the parking lot had a new truck and kept the camera trained on his truck so he could view it. To get inside, Alan simply unlocks a side door and the robbers go right in. Their first task is to evade detection on the various security cameras aligning the hallways. Due to Alan's meticulous planning, they hug the walls and move during timed intervals to make their way past rotating cameras without being seen. The bandits head for the cafeteria, where they quickly take the hospitality staff hostage. At 12.30 a.m., most of the guards go on lunch break. As each guard arrives at the cafeteria, the robbers ambush and take them hostage one by one, preventing them from sounding the alarm or alerting other guards. All the captured guards are laid face down and their arms and ankles are bound with duct tape. The robbers also take the key for the vault prep room from one of the hostage guards. This room has cameras that can't be avoided, so the robbers just rush the two armed guards inside and take them hostage too. So the men were able to pull off this heist technically. Um, they were able to, 
you know, sneak in, tie up the security guards, get into the vault, and then leave. And then they went back to the party, and it seemed like they were there the whole time. However, they were eventually apprehended. And it was discovered that the mastermind of this heist was 30-year-old Alan Pace III. And like I said, they were apprehended and some of the money was recovered. The authorities were able to get about $5 million of the stolen money back, but there is still over $10 million that is just floating around out there that has never been recovered. And so who knows where this money is? Um, the people that were involved in the heist maybe gave it away to friends, family, put it in a hole somewhere. We don't really know, but there is no trace of it, which is just crazy how that much money can just go missing. The next two stories are across the pond in Europe, starting with a not-so-elaborate jewel heist in Paris, France. When I say not so elaborate, I mean it, because these thieves in the story relied on brute force rather than thoughtful planning. In the previous story, the thieves at least had some kind of a plan. They, you know, wore dark clothing. They, you know, covered their faces. They even tried to establish an alibi, and they did a lot of things to avoid being caught by the guards and the security cameras. In this case, not so much. Back in 2008, the Harry Winston Jewelry Store, which sells very elegant and expensive jewelry to a posh clientele, was the site of a smash-and-grab robbery. It happened very quickly when four men dressed as women stormed into the store. They pushed all of the employees and the customers into a corner at gunpoint, and then they stole nearly every piece of jewelry on the display floor. Then, after grabbing everything in sight on the sales floor, they quickly emptied two storage cases in the back and then made their getaway. The robbers made off with about $100 million in merchandise, which made this the largest jewelry robbery ever in France's history and also one of the largest just in the world. According to the BBC, the police found about $19 million worth of the jewelry from the heist, and it was stuffed in a drain in a Parisian suburb, but most of the jewelry has never been recovered. French police have arrested 29 people in connection with an armed raid on a Harry Winston jewelry store in Paris late last year. Police say four gunmen burst into the store near the Champs-Élysées shortly before closing time. They forced the staff to hand over an estimated $85 million worth of diamonds and other jewels. Nobody was hurt during that heist. Like the news story said, luckily nobody was hurt during the heist. However... The store was definitely hurt because, like I said before, out of the $100 million of merchandise that was stolen, only $19 million was recovered. And so that's $81 million worth of jewelry out there. 
The man believed to be the mastermind is named Dawadi Yaiyao, and I put both of these names in howtopronounce.com, and I wrote it phonetically in my script, so hopefully I am saying it correctly. Either way, he was convicted of the crime and was sentenced to 15 years in prison, while the other people that were involved in the heist, they only received about nine months in jail, which is crazy. That does not seem like enough time for holding people at gunpoint. And I mean, I know that nobody was injured, but still, like that is crazy, less than nine months in jail. Next, we have the largest gold heist in British history. In the morning hours of November 26, 1983, six men wearing balaclavas, which are a type of ski mask that historically were worn by British soldiers at the Battle of Balaclava in 1854. With their faces fully covered, the men entered a warehouse at London's Heathrow Airport. And the warehouse was a security company called Brinks Matt. The warehouse vault contained more than $3 million in cash, which the robbers knew because they actually had an inside man working at Brinks Matt that was providing them information about the warehouse and how to pull off this elaborate heist. However, the robbers weren't privy to the fact that the vault also contained more than three tons of gold, which is about 7,000 bars worth of gold. The armed men tied up the guards, then they poured gasoline on them and threatened to drop a match if they didn't give them the keys and the codes to the vault. The guards cooperated, of course, and the thieves began loading the gold into a van. They were able to drive away, successfully escaping with this huge lot of gold. However, the group's inside man, Anthony Black, was implicated soon after, and then he snitched on his comrades. Mickey McAvoy, one of the other thieves, reportedly used his cut to pay cash for a house, and he bought two security dogs, which he named Brinks and Matt, to guard the property. Obviously, law enforcement caught on to him quickly, and McAvoy, Anthony Black, and then Anthony's brother-in-law, Brian Robinson, were all sentenced to 25 years in prison for their crime. While police apprehended the perpetrators, they were unfortunately unable to regain most of the gold. In fact, most of the gold's whereabouts are still unknown to this day. A documentary was made about the heist, called Brinks Matt, The Greatest Heist. And you didn't hear it from me, but you can easily find it on YouTube for free. So if you're interested, definitely look it up. Again, it's called Brinks Matt, The Greatest Heist. And it goes into a lot more details about how they were able to pull off the heist. Our final story is back in the States, specifically in the city of Boston where two thieves dressed as police officers pulled off a huge heist. Like D.B. Cooper, these two thieves 
have still not been found, and the loot has also not been recovered. Next to D.B. Cooper, this is one of the most successful great escapes in American history. So with that, let's learn about the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum robbery in Boston. On March 18, 1990, two individuals that are believed to be men, but we don't know for sure, they disguised themselves in police uniforms and walked into the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. They casually walked in and told the security guard that they were responding to a call. The guard let them inside, but once they were in, the thieves immediately handcuffed him, and they handcuffed another security guard, and then locked them both in the museum's basement. They got away with 13 extremely valuable pieces of art, totaling about $500 million. Some of these famous art pieces that they got away with were Rembrandt's Storm on the Sea of Galilee, which was painted in 1633, A Lady and Gentleman in Black, which is another Rembrandt in 1633. They also were able to get five of Degas' Impressionist works, which, if you've never seen Edgar Degas' work, it's gorgeous. Um, they were also able to get Edouard Manet's, Manet's, I think I'm pronouncing that right, um, his piece of work called Ches Tortoni. And like I said, all together, all of the art that they were able to steal was worth $500 million. And honestly, this work is really priceless. The men simply took the paintings out of the frames and then left in a haste. Today, in the museum, empty frames hang on the walls, and they hang there as placeholders, just in case the art is ever recovered. To this day, no one knows who these robbers were and where they hid the goods, and this is one of the largest thefts of a private property in history. The museum is offering a $5 million reward for information leading to the recovery of these works in good condition. Hopefully one day, some of the art pieces will be returned, but it was likely very quickly sold on the black market for profit. Um, typically, people who do steal art don't just hang on to the pieces. They're usually hoping to sell it for a lot of money, especially art pieces like this that are very old and historic and of great value. And with that, I hope you enjoyed learning about these great escapes as much as I enjoyed looking into them. Um, like I said in the introduction, I am going to be eventually doing a YouTube channel and uh, keep an eye out for that. I'll make an announcement once everything is ready to go, but I hope you'll, you know, you'll join me over on YouTube as well so that you can watch the video versions of the podcast. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Thank you so much for joining me. It's goodbye for now, but I hope to haunt you again soon. <laughs>